Well, I just got word that I am a terrible person. That is what someone you talked to, Jack, today said about me. Canada the Terrible. And it makes me wonder why I even do this show. And I'm just sitting here in my room in New York City wondering why I have done almost 400 podcasts about pinball. And yet when I go up to get the Twippy Award, people are booing in the background, ruining my entire evening. When I cover pinball manufacturers, I try to find the topics and I try to talk about these games and this hobby in a way that I thought was underserved before we started doing this show. And I think throughout all of these episodes, throughout these three plus years, I think, it's been almost three years now in which we've been doing this show, We've tried to be fair and balanced about what's going on in the pinball hobby. You know, things you're excited about, things that are frustrating you, games that you think are great, games that you think are mediocre, and all of it has been put through the filter of my point of view on the hobby. And you know where I'm coming from, from day one, that pinball magic is the thing that we all should be aiming for. And that pinball company should be giving you what you deserve for the high price of these games. And so here I am, September 5th, and I'm a terrible person. And I know why. I know why I'm a thorn in the side of some of these manufacturers. And it would be very convenient for this show not to be around. I mean, think about it. Think about it. The majority of pinball communications before this show began was primarily shows in which everything was great. Everything was always awesome. And it was just, you know, fans of pinball ecstatic about every new pinball machine coming out. And there wasn't wasn't nearly as many pinball companies. There wasn't the high cost of the machines that there are now. And there, there weren't so many factors like there are today in pinball. And so, you know, this is Canada the Terrible. This, uh, I am the worst thing to happen to pinball, apparently. And when I go off on missions trying to bring to light issues that are affecting consumers who are spending a lot of money in this hobby, it, it means that I'm terrible, that I have nothing but sordid agendas. And when I change my mind on a game because it might not have the elements I'm looking for, uh, that's not allowed. I'm a hypocrite. I'm a bad guy. No, I don't think I am. Uh, I I think I love pinball just as much as you do. I played Batman tonight for an hour and a half. I absolutely loved it. Absolutely loved it. And there just comes a point when I'm really just wondering why I even still do the show. Uh, 2,500 people listen, but it's not always fun when you have to take all the arrows of the manufacturers who just refuse to engage me on any level. I've tried to talk to Jack. I sent him a note a few days ago. He doesn't want to talk to me. I tried to get official responses on certain things surrounding Willy Wonka. Never really got a straight answer. Zach Sharp treats me like a lepra. Never really gives me anything just always says he declines to talk to me every single time I ask to speak to anybody about a game. 
go back and listen to all the interviews we did with Stern people back in the day. They were always very great, very informative, and very entertaining. And you listen to Pinball Podcasts to be entertained. But see, the thing is this. The thing is this. I always said, I'll do this show because I enjoy doing it. I do this show on a weekly basis because I love talking about what's going on in this hobby. But I have to say, when I hear Jack thinks you're terrible, it, it, hit, it hits me in a way that makes me not want to do the show. Because I, I think I've called it pretty fairly on what's been going on uh, with his company. Hasn't been personal. I have always said I think Jersey Jack Pinball is aiming the highest and Jersey Jack Pinball is trying the hardest to make the best pinball machines on the planet. And I still would put their games next to any other games out there and I still would choose them for the money. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's, and I've always said this. I think Jersey Jack games are worth $9,000. I don't think any Stern is worth $9,000 when you put it next to it. And I think, I think they would be the first ones to tell you that as well. Okay? But on this episode, I just got to say, you know, I'm sitting here and I'm just sort of philosophizing about why I do this. Like, why I don't even know how much longer I want to do it. And I'm not going to go out in some blaze of glory right now. Don't worry. Uh, I might take a little break. It always comes to this. You know, my other podcaster friends, I think we're all feeling this right now. The hobby's been pulled through a little bit of a grind lately. A lot of the news hasn't been positive. A lot of the things happening to people haven't been positive. Uh, but we've been in search of resolutions for you guys. And that's what I've been doing. And I don't mind taking the arrows uh, in the back from the manufacturers and from the fanboys and the shills if that means getting you a resolution. And we saw some of that resolution started to materialize today. I saw that Jack was calling up people and refunding them their money on the play fields because no one should have to pay for a play field if they are shipped a game that has a defective clear coat. And that's good progress. Now, do you think that would happen if we didn't keep beating their drum on this show? But I'm a terrible person for doing that. I'm a terrible person for looking out for consumer rights. I should simply be championing the companies so that they stick around. Okay? See, you know what the other thing I just felt lately, and I, I just want to be honest with you guys on this show. I, I Look, I know you listen to it for entertainment. I'm going to air the Dr. Frightener Larry interview sometime in the, in the near future. I just didn't want to put that show up now because it's, it's just more of me and him arguing about the merits of Willy Wonka. But uh, you know what? I don't even want to talk about that right now. What I want to talk about on this episode of Canada's Pinball Podcast is just the grind of of where I think we're at and why I think we're here a little bit. And, and, and here's the thing. For a lot of you out there, you might not be feeling this. And maybe I'm just in a different position because, you know, I put myself out there and I say stuff. And so, you know, I also am going to get blowback. And this is blowback when manufacturers think you're a terrible person. But lately, I just can't. I can't shake a certain feeling, and, and it's not about Jack, it's not about George Gomez, it's not about Charlie, it's not about the manufacturers, it's just about where we've ended up, and this sort of daily, weekly, you know, even hourly analysis of pinball, it takes its toll on everybody 
who dives in deep enough into this hobby. And, and here's what I've just been thinking about, you know, is as, as we just got Jurassic Park and, you know, you hear you hear some conversation about it, but we're already on to the next. It's already about what's going to be at Expo, what's going to be here, what's going to be Guns N' Roses, what's going to be Toy Story, what's going to be Deep Root, you know, what is Chicago Gaming got going on next? And I can't help but feel somewhat uh, of like this entire hobby on some level is just collapsing a little bit under its own weight. And and here's what I think happens. And it's a cycle. It's a cycle and I'm to blame. Other podcasters are to blame. Streamers are to blame. Every Everyone has a little bit of the blame. And, and what I mean by that is this. We're in this vicious cycle in the pinball hobby of, of overanalyzing everything about it. It's a toy, right? And we overanalyze it. We deconstruct it. We want it to be the best possible version of the theme that comes out, right? But it's a toy. And the way we look at these pinball machines right now, it's like every game is either the best game ever or the worst game ever at the same time. And there's like people love it, people hate it. People deconstruct it, people complain about it, people love the art, people hate the art. People love the callouts, people hate the callouts. People love the shots, people hate the shots. And it's just so much uh, uh, analysis of these damn things. And here's the thing, I, I got to say this. We don't even give games a time anymore to become great. We don't give pinball machines time anymore to even uh, win us over because none of it's happening naturally. The way it used to work is these games would go into arcades with absolutely no fanfare whatsoever about them coming out. Because here's why. Nobody even knew they were coming out. Games would just appear in an arcade one day when we walked in. There was no release date. There weren't a bunch of people wondering what's the next game from Bally Williams, what's the next game from Stern or Data East or this or that or Gottlieb or, or Capcom. You know, it, it was a different time. These games were allowed to be worked on. They were put on, you know, locations to, to see, you know, quality control issues. It was so much different. It didn't have this obsessive following on, on podcasts, on forums, on Twitch streams. Games were allowed to be made and, and improved without this silliness of selling it to some obsessed group of people in limited edition form and then and then hoodwinking those people because you're selling the same exact game they just bought for 9000 you're going to sell the same exact game for 7500 and all you know all of this is just it's just stupid on some level it's so stupid where we're at we, we basically are, are, are inflating the expectations of every single game and it has to live up to these un, like ungodly, like unrealistic expectations because why? Because the prices are so high because people want to put these things in their home and, and because you, you know we just expect that every next game is going to be an improvement and enhancement upon where we've been. And you don't get a chance for a game to become great. You don't. And and I've been I've been a fool too for like well is Willy Wonka gonna turn into the game? I don't know. I don't know if it is. I don't know if it's not. But I'm already like writing it off. At the same time, people are already saying it's the best game ever. Listen to Zach Manny. It's the best game ever. It's the best game ever. I'll put up any game. Put up any Bally Williams game, and Willy Wonka's better. And that's the problem. That's the problem. He's the blame. I'm the blame. 
you know, we have one guy saying it's better than any Bally Williams classic game that has earned the right to be a classic because over 20 years, the games have held up and are still amazing. Nobody knows if Willy Wonka is still going to be fun a year from now, but we're already, we're already labeling these things winners and losers immediately. And it, and, and it, and it just wears you down. It wears me down. It wears them down. It must wear you guys down too who follow it day in and day out. We can't even give these games a chance to become great. We can't. And, and, and we're also, you know, games are shipping like so incomplete. So you never quite know when a game is done. I, I don't know if it was like that in the 90s, but I highly doubt that games went out on location so unfinished the way they are today. You know, games went out, like, we're still having code updates seven years later for Wizard of Oz. There was no code updates seven years later for Medieval Madness or for Adam's Family. You know, they, they finished the game. They designed, manufactured, and finished a game before they put it out there for people. It's not the way anymore. Where Everything's constant beta. Everything's constantly being, you know, adjusted. You never know when. Is the right time to go in on a game? You never know when uh, is the right time to either call it a hit or a miss. And it's really difficult. You know, if you're a movie reviewer, I, I can go see the movie when it's done. And I can tell you if I like it or don't like it when it's done. I, the pinball is not like that. It's not like that. It's a very unique hobby in, in which we are all guinea pigs to trying to know what we're, we're actually buying. And it's not right. It's not right. You shouldn't be paying these prices for games that are not finished. Batman 66 should not ever have been released until it was done. Two years people had to wait to get the game finished. Why? Why was it released two years before it was even finished? Why? You know, we are all at the mercy of the manufacturing schedules of these companies, which means they're going to push out stuff regardless if it's ready to go to us. And that's an inconvenient truth that they don't want you to know about. But yet we still want the games, right? It's been a grind. It's been a grind lately listening to early achievers with Stockholm Syndrome. Have you read? The EAs are the most empathetic and sympathetic to Barry around this whole thing. The guy's a crook. The guy wants to, to, to do a Ponzi scheme economics and people are forgiving him. People are cheerleading him. People are saying, let's give him a chance at the best shot he has. You know, and, 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 and on top of like what I was just saying about the over analysis then there's also just like the never-ending second chances people get. I mean, we're about to see John Papadou get another chance at redemption. Will it happen? Will it not? I don't know. But I'm a terrible person. I'm a terrible person because I just want to see maybe the songs from the musical I love in the game. And you know what the thing is? I don't mind if it's not in the game. I don't. I don't mind, Jack. I don't mind, Joe, if you didn't put it in the game. I'm not a terrible person. But just tell me when I ask you if you have the rights to it. Don't refuse to answer the question or don't spin it and, and say something that's just, it, it's a yes or no question. And as consumers, 
all of us out there, right? I'm getting ready to write a check for $12,500. Shouldn't I be able to ask them a very simple question like that without getting back an ambiguous answer? And yet, that's what we got. And it's still ambiguous. Fine. I'm terrible. I'm sorry I asked that question. Let me just say I love it the way it is and don't question any of it or don't ask you what's to come in the game. It's just not fair. It's not fair that we can't ask questions without being labeled as negative people, as terrible people, like we're cranky consumers. These games used to cost. I mean, if people just want to forget that too. It's almost like these manufacturers, they only want you to think about the here and the now. They don't want you to go back and just a few years ago, you could get a Lord of the Rings fully loaded for $3,500. Like They don't even want you to remember that with better built cabinets, better mechanisms, much more magic on the play field. Let's not go there. $3,500 for Lord of the Rings, nine thousand dollars for black knight sort of rage le three times as much with less than a third going on in it they don't want you to know this stuff and they know they listen to this show and and that's the thing is i'm terrible never gonna get an interview now from stern for saying that never gonna get an interview again from jersey jack it seems Never going to get an interview from American Pinball, although I will say Josh came on the show. I give him, you know, I give Josh credit. You know, I'm, I'm not here to hurt the pinball hobby. I just have a few ideas every once in a while that I think would help. But I'm terrible. And maybe I should just stop, hang it up. I mean, we've got so many, so many other pinball podcasts out there. You don't really need Canada anymore, do you, people? If I were to just go away tomorrow, would you really even miss me? Seriously. Would you miss me? You've got you've got so many other things. You've you've got slam tilt. You got loser kid. You got pinball nerds. You got poor man's pinball co- podcast. Special when lit. This week in pinball. Head to head pinball. Slap save pinball podcast. Bro, do we even talk pinball? It, the list goes on and on and on. All right. I'm just one dude in New York City who loves pinball who got banned from a pinball forum and I just want to I just want to tell you what's on my mind. But, you know, I'm terrible. Sorry. Sorry I did this. I'm so sorry, Jack. I am. I'm sorry that I changed my mind on Willy Wonka. I, I am I not allowed to? Am I not allowed to? I I I don't get it. I don't get it. And maybe you don't want to listen anymore. Maybe this isn't entertaining to you. Maybe you just find this to be one of the downer episodes. Come on, Canada, like snap out of it. Like have thicker skin. And I do have thick skin. I do. I I I look I I I was I was hitting up my friend Christopher Franch and he said, look, dude, like aren't you used to this by now? And of course I'm used to this by now. This isn't just in pinball. This happens to me throughout my entire professional career. Sometimes people don't like me. They think I'm too abrasive. They think I just want to do things my way. They think I have better ideas on how to get it done. And I am where I am in my career because I do think I have good ideas and I have executed great ideas and I have built great teams that do great work and I do surround myself with amazing people and I've surrounded myself with some of the most amazing people in pinball. The only thing they're not are the manufacturers. They don't want to be anywhere near me. They can't come near me. 
even though I know, and you know right now, so many people who work for the other companies out there, the pinball companies, they listen to the show. If you're, if you're working at Stern, Jersey Jack, Spooky Pinball, American Pinball, what, what show do you want to listen to to hear what's being said about your company and in the hobby, right? I mean, yeah, I could just cheerlead every single thing they do or I could call it like it is. I mean, I'm on great terms with Charlie Emery. Look how many times I've, I've like given Charlie crap for stuff. I mean, half the time he's probably like, Canada's right. You know, every I don't think I've called it unfairly. Would anyone listen to this show if I was just a terrible guy who unfairly and, and abrasively went after other companies and just attacked them senselessly? Is that what I do? All right. Maybe I can't get Keith Elwin on the show. Maybe I can't get like, you know, Bo and Karens who just doesn't, you know, want anything to do with me and unfriends me for no reason or blocks me on Facebook. I can't even see what the guy does. All right. I know I pissed off some tournament players. I know I've, I've done some things that I've apologized for. But this last few months and these last few episodes where I really tried to stand up for like what was important to you guys and I tried to lead a charge because I felt like you guys needed a resolution on something that was very important and I think we're starting to get progress. And you best believe there is no way these companies would be uh, answering on this stuff as quickly if we didn't keep highlighting it. All right. And I, I, I don't think there's anything wrong if you want to see more in a game that potentially could be put into a game to speak up and say you want to see more stuff in the game. What's wrong with that? These things cost so much money. We're allowed to have opinions about these things that aren't always A plus and B plus, right? These aren't straight down the middle reviews of games. Like I think some games are great, some games suck. And they're all just opinions. We know that. We know that. I know Zach's like, you son of a you, you went after my goddamn reviews again. Zach, I love you, brother. And I love all the people in the pinball media. But but what you guys need to know out there, listener of the show, and this is just the damn truth, is we get lied to a lot by people who are trying to protect their IP and protect their company secrets, and that's fine. Uh, but you know, we get misled and we get misinformation and we get lied to on occasion and it's it's not fun and you just ask Jeff Patterson the amount of work that Jeff puts into this week in pinball and then he gets lied to about certain things and and he'll tell you personally what those things are but it's just we do this for no money for nothing other than your entertainment okay but I'll just say when people want to personally attack Canada fine fine Jack Fine, George, fine, you know, I'll go away for a while. And then what's going to happen? It's not going to solve your clear code issues. It's not going to solve your lack of assets issues. It's not going to change. The problem you will always face is I've existed for the last three years. People are starting to think more and more critically and scrutinize what they're spending their hard-earned money on. And you don't, they don't want that. You, you, you guys, it's like I was saying earlier, they want you stuck in that cycle of contempt where no matter what these companies do, you just run to it like a moth to the flame where every new game is just the greatest game ever and we deconstruct it and analyze it for two months and then no one cares about that game. Like nobody's talking about monsters. Nobody talks about, and there's some great games, right? Great games that just get missed. I'll give you an example of one of them, like Deadpool. I hear so many good things about Deadpool, but it didn't even have its time 
to be in the spotlight, right? It, it just it just came and went. And yet, even though it's so good, it's just it gets buried under a mountain of other releases and new expectations. And then, you know, you own a Deadpool LE. And then it's like, well, so what? That's like yesterday's news. And and that's just the problem I, I, I do. I think the problem is we can't slow down and enjoy these games. And games used to become sought after because they proved themselves over time. With so many games all aimed at the same targets, you know, these home collectors, it, it's really difficult. It's really difficult uh, to process it all. And it becomes overwhelming. And and I, I don't know, I think some other podcasters out there and you as listeners of the show, you might agree with some of this. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Maybe I need to get off the soapbox tonight. Um, but I'm, I, I just got to say, you know, when I was called a terrible person by someone who I can, who I respect, I respect Jack and I respect everything they're doing over there. But I wish he would just respect my opinion about some of this stuff happening and not make it so personal. But when you call me terrible, I will take that personally. And, and, I, and it does make me not want to do shows for a while. So I don't know what that means. You know me. I go away. I come back. I do this show when I want to do it. And I don't feel like doing it, really. I'm going to upload the Larry show. I think you're going to like it, uh, Dr. Frightener. Uh, but you know what? It's my birthday this month. I'm going to Japan in October. I have a lot of awesome stuff going on in my life right now. And if you people want to call me names and, and, and take shots at me, fine. But, you know, I've reached a point where I just don't feel like doing it right now. So this isn't the end of Canada's Pinball Podcast. I'm not even going to give any timelines of anything. When a show goes up, a show goes up. I might do one tomorrow. I might wake up tomorrow and feel like it. But I'm just saying, uh, this pinball podcast, it's the inconvenient truth of this hobby. But nobody would listen. It's not, no one would listen if what we were saying wasn't resonating. And I still believe, and I still know that you know, there's more to come in this hobby. There's more magic out there that's not in these games. And you and what is the point of making a game if you're not going to make it right? <laughs> I just and it's and I know that's subjective. But man, there are, there are just some decisions that are being made and we are just all just accepting it. Like, oh, can't afford to have Jurassic Park movie. Yes, you can. For this much money, you can. You know, I was talking to someone today, and then I'll just shut up and, and end this show. Let's say it was a million dollars more to get songs into Willy Wonka. A million dollars more. Okay. That's $300 more a game. Okay. At this price point, you're going to sell two times as many games if it's in there. So maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. Maybe I just don't understand the financials of these companies, and, and that is true. But just be honest with me. Be honest with your consumers. And, and you know, if you have issues, you got to solve them. And if you're going to make a game on a theme, you got you got to put as much of that theme into the game as you can. And what's the point of having billionaire investors if you're going to, like, cut corners on things people want in the games? What's the point? I'm not a billionaire. Heck, if I was a billionaire, we'd have every single movie ever made into pinball machines and I'd be, you know, you carry me on your shoulders in, into the pinball heavens. But anyway, 
that's just it. Canada the Terrible signing off. Uh, yeah, you, you might hear from me sometime soon. You might not. Later, people. Don't you know?